So we've been going through the book of Acts, focusing on the growth and mission of the church. God's mission is that the church flourishes uh, through the preaching of the gospel and the power of the Holy Spirit. And that was a mission years ago, and that's the same mission that we have today. Now, in the serve video, um, maybe you caught the words that you were able to read the phrase, eager to do good. As God's people, we are called to be eager to do good, and that comes from Timothy. And in the video as well, it had the phrase, to participate in the struggle without being overcome by it. So we're called to be eager to do good, participating in the struggle without being overcome by it. So today we'll be reading from Acts 5, verses 12 to 42. And we'll reading, be reading about the struggles of the early church and church growth. And what the disciples faced when they were preaching the gospel. And they were not overcome by these struggles. Because God continued to intervene for his plans, for his purposes. So as we read from Acts 5, let's come to God. Before we do, let's come to God in prayer. Father God, you are the one who sent your one and only son to this world so that we may be saved for a purpose. And that purpose was to bring you glory and honor and to grow your kingdom here on this earth. We thank you for the good news of Jesus Christ and may we continue to see how you have a plan and how you continue to intervene in this world so that your plan is fulfilled. Through the power of the Holy Spirit of Jesus, work in us to be obedient and to follow you. In your name we pray, amen. Acts 5, 12 to 42. Adrian, we're good with sound here? Okay, see you guys busy back there, but I just want to make sure. Thanks. Acts 5, 12 to 42. The apostles performed many signs and wonders among the people, and all the believers used to meet together in Solomon's colonnade. And no one else dared join them, even though they were highly regarded by the people. Nevertheless, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. As a result, people brought the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and mats, so at least Peter's shadow might fall on some of them as he passed by. Crowds gathered also from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and those tormented by impure spirits, and all of them were healed. Then the high priest and all his associates, who were members of the party of the Sadducees, were filled with jealousy. And they arrested the apostles and put them in the public jail. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail and brought them out. Go stand in the temple courts, he said, and tell the people all about this new life. At daybreak, they entered the temple courts, as they had been told, and began to teach the people. When the high priest and his associates arrived, they called together the Sanhedrin and the full assembly of the elders of Israel and sent to the jail for the apostles. But on arriving at the jail, the officers didn't find them there. So they went back and reported, We found the jail securely locked, with the guards standing at the doors. But when we opened them, we found no one inside. On hearing this report, the captain of the temple guard and the chief priests were at a loss, wondering what this might lead to. Then someone came, came and said, Look, the men you put in jail are standing in the temple courts teaching the people. At that, the captain went with his officers and brought the apostles they did not use force because they feared that the people would stone them. The apostles were brought in and made to appear before the Sanhedrin to be questioned by the high priest. We gave you strict orders not to teach in this name, he said. Yet you filled Jerusalem with your teaching and are determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. 
Peter and the other apostles replied, we must obey God rather than human beings. The God of our ancestors raised Jesus from the dead, whom you killed by hanging him on a cross. God exalted him to his own right hand as prince and savior, that he might bring Israel to repentance and forgive their sins. We are witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. When they heard this, they were furious and wanted to put them to death. But a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law, who was honored by all the people, stood up by the Sanhedrin and ordered that the men be put outside for a little while. And then he addressed the Sanhedrin, Men of Israel, consider carefully what you intend to do to these men. Some time ago, Theodos appeared, claiming to be somebody, and about 400 men rallied to him, and he was killed, and all his followers were dispersed, and it all came to nothing. After him, Judas the Galilean appeared in the days of the census and led a band of people in revolt, and he too was killed, and his followers were scattered. Therefore, in the present case, I advise you, leave these men alone. Let them go. For if their purpose or activity is of human origin, it will fail. But if it's from God, you'll not be able to stop these men, and you'll only find yourselves fighting against God. His speech persuaded them. They called the apostles in and had them flogged, and then they ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. The apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. Day after day in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Imagine for a moment a story where people regularly come to worship on Sunday morning. People gathering together in the same place as God's people. We call it church. It's a large group of people, and many have done this for all their lives, and others have done it for decades every Sunday. When suddenly a couple of new people show up at the church's worship service, they don't show up in the worship space itself. Rather, they just stay in the church's parking lot. They don't enter the building. They begin preaching in the parking lot. The first few weeks, they get a couple of people listening. And over time, the sanctuary has less and less people, and the parking lot is getting fuller and fuller. The newspaper does a report on these parking lot preachers. They make headlines, and more and more community folks are chatting about them. What started out as something small and something not to be really concerned about has escalated into something bigger. And maybe it's time to even call the police because the people are trespassing and impacting the worship service. They're disturbing the peace. They're creating a disruption to what normally goes on. So perhaps you maybe can appreciate the anxiety and anger and jealousy with the religious folks, the Sadducees and the temple priest. Because they had their regular worship times that they were used to occurring in the temple. And then along come Peter and John and the rest of these disciples who were attracting crowds in the temple courts, outside the temple. And this was a growing group. There were many followers being attracted to these parking lot preachers. And they were creating a disturbance according to the temple leaders. So the temple leaders decided to put them into prison. 
The religious leaders are attempting to stop something from continuing that they feel is wrong. The religious leaders are filled with jealousy. And there was this power struggle that was going on between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of the devil. Ephesians 6 states clearly that our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Satan is at work in this world. But as we see in this story, the leaders, the religious leaders are using political power. And that power is being overcome by spiritual power. Now, Peter and John and the other apostles were imprisoned, but an angel was able to release the apostles. And this was an act of God to show that the spiritual powers are more powerful than political powers. The apostles can be arrested, but God can set them free. God intervened by the apostles being released from prison. You see, the disciples are eager to do good. They're eager to participate in the struggles, and they will not allow themselves to be overcome by the struggles. God will not allow it. God intervenes. So the angel releases them on account of their charge of preaching and creating a disturbance, and immediately commissions. They commission the apostles to go right back to stand in the temple courts and tell the people this message, this message of new life. You see, they were imprisoned for preaching the gospel. And now they're released from prison only to go back doing what they are imprisoned for. Preach the gospel. They were to publicly speak, again, of a new life. And that was the purpose of their speaking that was the purpose of their healing, the purpose of the miracles. All this was to point to the new life that people can have through Jesus Christ. That it was representing putting aside that old life and coming into this new life in Christ. Given by God's grace through Christ, Jesus Christ, the Messiah. That there is spiritual freedom in Christ. Peter and the others preach in the temple courts. Again, after their divine escape from prison. And the temple leaders come up to them again. And Peter proclaims what they've been teaching. Peter, again being rather bold, tells the authorities that as disciples of Jesus Christ, they must obey God rather than human beings. Scripture is clear in several places that we are called to obey the authorities. But when authorities misuse their power and they go against God's will of justice and integrity and kingdom growth, believers need to discern who to follow. And believers are called to follow God. When the authorities told the disciples to stop preaching the gospel, the disciples know they could not obey the authorities because God commissioned them to preach the gospel. And this was affirmed through the words of the angel that they just heard from that day. And so Peter goes on to preach the gospel. And he goes on to witness who Jesus is. And he says to the temple authorities, to the, to the religious leaders, the God of our ancestors, the God of our ancestors, raised Jesus from the dead. Oh, and, and don't forget, he adds on, that you guys killed him, hung him on a cross. 
the greatest attempt to stop the spread of Christianity and the church was to murder the one who was called the Savior. So they murdered Jesus. But this did not stop the truth of the gospel message from moving forward. God intervened, raised Jesus from the dead, just as he promised. Peter goes on to say that God exalted Jesus to his throne in heaven, and this was all done for a purpose. God is calling Israel to repentance and to receive forgiveness of all their sins. Peter goes on to say that he and the other apostles have witnessed his death. They've witnessed his death, his resurrection. They witnessed his ascension. And not only them, but the Holy Spirit is also witness to all of this. And for those who obey Jesus, for those who repent and believe, they are given this power of the Holy Spirit. You see how the most spectacular sin the murdering of God's one and only Son, the Savior, the Messiah, Jesus Christ, did not even stop God's plans. God intervened, and the gospel message and the kingdom of God moved forward, triumphantly growing, and so many people, thousands and thousands, were coming to faith. This short sermon by Peter to the temple authorities and the religious leaders began and ended with people being called to be obedient to God. For people being called to, do, to eagerly do what is good. And so this sermon made the council of religious leaders quite furious. And they wanted to stone these men. But Gamaliel stepped in as a diplomatic Pharisee. Once again, God intervened. Gamaliel was an honored and well-respected leader at this time. And you could probably compare him to uh, the Billy Graham of the ancient world. He had a great reputation among the crowds and the other leaders. And he asked the disciples just to step aside in, for a moment so that the council could further discuss this in private. And Gamaliel gave two historic examples of movements that failed. And he refers to a man named Theodos, who had about 400 followers. And Thetis claimed to be a magician who said that he would dry up the Jordan River. But somebody ended up killing Thetis, and his followers just kind of ran away, and, and everything became, all this became nothing. And the same thing occurred with Judas the Galilean. Judas and his followers opposed the taxing, taxing of the Romans at the time of the census. And he too eventually died, and his followers dispersed. Nothing ever happened to the movement. But Gamaliel reaffirmed that if this current movement is of human origin, someone will destroy one of the leaders and the party will fall apart. This movement will disperse and it will too fade like the rest. But if the movement is from God, then nothing can stand in God's way. The people will only find that they are fighting against God. If the movement is from God, God will intervene to ensure his plans continue in motion. And the gospel message of salvation continues to spread. And didn't he show this already to the witnesses and to many others, to each of us, through the death of Jesus? Jesus was killed. 
He was hung on a cross. And this movement was not going to go away. And still has not gone away thousands of years later. Now, this does not always appear this way. Because throughout history, we have seen evil prevail for a period of time. Some human plans, things not from God, have appeared to win. We think of those dying and living through the Holocaust. Or even tragedies like 9-11 or Christian countries in continual persecution. Or even when we see natural disasters. I think the point is that God may not always intend to get his people out of prison physically. But God will intervene every time to ensure that his people are not in prison spiritually. That the devil does not win. God intervenes in his way. It may not necessarily be an angel. It may not necessarily be a wise leader. It may be other things. The point is that God intervenes, that God is in control. And another point is that he calls us to respond. He calls us to be obedient. He calls us to be eager to do what is good. And when we are obedient and the situation looks bleak and it is a struggle, remember that God intervenes. When we are obedient and we are anxious or nervous about something, if it is of God, God will intervene in one way or another. Do not be overcome by the struggle. Continue to participate in the struggle, knowing that God is with us, that he is in control. We can just look back a few centuries before this story. We're reminded of the Old Testament story in the book of Daniel with Daniel's friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They were not going to be obedient to the authorities because the authorities went against the will of God. And this resulted in these three fellows being obedient instead to God. And what happened? They were thrown into a fiery furnace. But God intervened and he protected them again, in this case as well, through an angel of the Lord. But we also hear of stories where people are being obedient to God and following Jesus and they are being persecuted and killed. Many of the disciples ended up dying in their time. The Middle East, Christians are being killed for their faith in Christ. They're not being set free from the fiery furnace, so to speak. But God still intervenes. But not necessarily in the same way each time. His plans, His kingdom continues to prevail. People, we are being called to obedience. We are being called to be eager to do what is good. And God will always be present. And he will always intervene. And yes, someone might die. Christ has died. Some of the disciples died. Other believers die. But God's movement Christianity, the gospel message continues on. The serve theme, go do good, I said earlier it came from Timothy, it comes from Titus. Titus 2, 11 to 14. And that passage very much complements the passage here in Acts. 
We read, For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. And it teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age while we wait for the blessed hope. The appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. He's called us. He's chosen us. He's elected us for a purpose, to do what is good in his name. So God has intervened in this world for our salvation. He has intervened for his purpose. And we are called to respond. We're called to respond in obedience. We're called to do what is good. And you can guarantee that each of us, at some time or another, will be called to participate in a struggle. A struggle of good versus evil. But know, through the power of the Holy Spirit, that God will intervene and we will not be overcome by it. So servants and people of God, go do good. Go do good in the name of Jesus. And if your deeds are being done in the name of Jesus Christ, then nothing will stop you from being the hands, the feet, the heart, the voice of Jesus Christ. Nothing will stop you from being the body of Christ, the church, in a world that is dark. God will always intervene, and his gospel message is furthered, and his salvation is made known. When it's of God, nothing will stop it. Amen. Let us pray. Lord God, things do not always go as we plan. They don't always go according to your plan. But you have the big plan under control. You intervene in our lives and in this world to ensure that nothing can stop your plan of salvation. Nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. We thank you and we praise you. And may we respond in obedience to you as we serve you and serve one another. As we love you and love one another. As we forgive one another. And through our serving, may we be like Peter and be bold to share the gospel of Jesus. Intervene in our daily lives through the power of your Holy Spirit. That same power that rose Jesus from the dead that is at work in us. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.